Hello, everyone. Welcome back. This is Julie Bates with the podcast Training the Pointing Labrador, episode number 205. And in today's episode, I'm going to continue with what I had started last week, and that is to bring a problem that was brought with, brought to me out and just talk about uh, various approaches and solutions and causes and stuff like that, just to help sometimes people when they either have a problem similar to what I'm describing or just approaching a problem and some of the ways to look at it. So I had um, <clears throat> someone bring a dog to me and the dog was not the normal like six month old. I think it was a little bit closer to a year of age and had not been uh, formally trained but had been uh, belonged to a place where they do uh, guided hunts for everybody. And so this dog needed to be um, really, really adamant uh, upland hunter and waterfowl hunter. Really want to go and really, because it's not real controlled, like if it's just you and your own fancy dog, you know, but you got people coming out there and the dog really needs to perform. And what, what they described was that the dog did like to retrieve. And when they dropped him off, I'd vouch for that. <laughs> the dog really did like to retrieve. But when they went into the upland field, the dog would just heal. And so they'd have other dogs out there, you know, in the, the way that a lot of people like to train, not me, but where they see the other dogs out looking for birds and having a big time. And so they expect them to learn from that. And somewhere it must work because people always do it. But they, the dog would just let the other dogs go hunt the birds and might, you know, try to go get one and take it from another dog or something that was coming back. But the dog was not out, would not get out away and go look for birds. He just walked along with the, with the owner or the people there and, and just didn't hunt and let all the other dogs do the work. And they got him to be an upland hunter. So they bring this, you know, older than I like to get them, dog in uh, to get this dog to upland hunt. So... The first thing I did not do was go put the dog on birds, which I know in a lot of places would have been the very first thing they'd done. Okay, he's not a, he won't look for birds. We'll get him to look for birds. Th that's not the approach that I took. This was, first I got to know the dog just a little bit. Big dog, big, powerful dog. And very, uh, a very sweet dog. He wasn't like some fire-breathing dragon that didn't care who was there or whatever. I mean, at first he didn't know me, but once we got attached, boy, he just is attached to me. We go out in the airing yard with all the other dogs in the evenings after dinner when I'm scooping poop and everybody's just run, and he just walks with me, just next to me, like we're together, we're a team. So he's a real soft-hearted kind of softy guy, not, not, not soft in other things, but I mean, just a real, he just, you know, would do anything for his person, and uh so he was a real connected dog. He just, he really liked connection. So I got to know that a little bit. And introduce him, first thing I did, which I almost always do, is introduce this dog to fundamental obedience. He hadn't been, you know, much of a leash dog or anything like that. On a retrieve, go out and come straight back and give it to you. That part was good. But if you just wanted to walk on a leash, there was no context in his mind for that. And he was like a 20-year-old, you know, man in a dog body that had never been taught how to sit down in a chair in a classroom and listen for 45 minutes straight. So 
we just worked on, on you know, I, I'd always start with a couple of retrieves and I'd always end with a couple of retrieves because he did love that. And then we did this stuff that in the beginning to him made absolutely no sense. Heel set, return to the heel position. Don't go behind me. Come around on the side and heel next to me. And, and at first, you know, I mean, he was just like, what is this? And then once with repetition every day going out and doing that, you know, and it was us working together, right? So that was fun. And then pretty soon, he, you know, he started to understand and master what it was and get good at it. Then it was kind of fun. And, you know, so it all became a real positive. And out of repetition and consistency, it became a habit. So when he retrieved something, you know, he would come back to heel position. And then I taught him to do obedience holding the bumper which was, hey, he has jaws like a lion. He's this huge boy. And, you know, and, and at first it was like, oh, I can't hold it in my mouth like dogs do when you, especially at that age when they haven't been made to do that. And then he learned to hold. And then I force fetched the guy with the ear pinch. That's what I do. And, oh, that was devastating to him. When I pinched his ear, it's like, what? How, you've never done this to me before. And it's like, I know, but then just reach for it and I won't do it. And so I got the dog force fetched. And while I'm doing this, as soon as I got real obedience on him and got where I could, and I did not need much, but I, I used, a, you know, obedience pressure, a jerk on a leash or a pop on the bottom for here, heel, and sit. And I transferred it over lightly with uh, doing a little collar conditioning to replace, you know, here and sit so that he understood uh, that more remote form of pressure. Because even though I'm going through the hold and the force fetch, you know, part of fundamental training. The other part we would do once I had, I knew I, he wouldn't, I could get him from running away or something. Then we started to go out on walks in the field. And there's reasoning for all this. So first I need to have this dog, since he's going to be a, at, a, at a place where people come and, and get guided hunts, and somebody's going to not kill the pheasant, right? That's just going to happen. And so he has to bring that bird all the way back and hand it to you. He can't throw it at you, set it down near you, because then you lose the birds. And, you know, that's one, that's just not sportsmanlike. And two, the dog should just bring it to you. So I had to do the obedience and the force fetch stuff so he could function in his bird handling and bird retrieval. So I had to do that. You know, and that's not fun stuff. I mean, that's boring. It's right around the kennel. You know, and it's just kind of like taking basic algebra. It's just something and we would do that but then once I had that where I had control and I knew I could keep him from chasing a rabbit away or something then we just started going out after that kind of work out for walks in the field well because <laughs> I knew I I never go out and do that if I any danger of them chasing something and me not being able to get them back and I'm not going to be that have that be their introduction to the caller. I will not do that. But so they already know that I can have them come to me when I call and stuff. And then we go out there and we start walking. And he is right behind me, <laughs> right behind me. And so most dogs, when I start doing that, <clears throat> it's a part of everyone's training that I do. You know, they're kind of going, really, I'm just free. I can, and they're kind of bouncing around and kind of happy and looking, see how far they can go and exploring. Not him. He was just right behind me. And, but if I was to get upset or start getting after him because he was behind me instead of out in front of me or whatever someone might expect, that would make him cling even tighter to me. 
And that's true a lot. People don't always, you know, they're trying to just keep telling them to get away and go out there and hunt it up and find it. And they're, they're adamant and they're intense. And the, the dog doesn't know what they're actually saying, but they know they're upset. So it's safe to just either heal or sit or stay right by them. And so I could not show any upsetness, even though I can't stand having a dog walking behind me in the field. Um, it was, so I spent probably a few weeks just going out on those walks, never being upset, no matter how annoying it was. I couldn't even see him because he's right behind me. And I, if I went through like some icky stuff, I need really just take my trail right through it. All you stuff you don't want in your upland dog. But I let, again, I used consistency and repetition. And we'd walk different places and through different stuff. And we'd go, you know, and he began to not cling so tightly because it was kind of boring just walking behind me. And so pretty soon he might get over a little to the side or he might stop and sniff something, you know, and then I just move, keep moving. And then he go, oh, gosh, I'm sorry. And he... But very slowly, he began to mentally relax about us being out there just a little bit. And this is where, uh, thankfully, the owner has had the patience for all this stuff. But this is where patience was the key. Because if I was out, anything that I did where I was unhappy or adamant about something, he would have been worried and concerned. And he's already shown that he's very clingy. So that's what he would go back to is being clingy. So weeks we went out walking all the time and uh, always was pleasant. I'd throw a few retrieves somewhere in the middle of it because he did love that. And so he began to relax enough and his retrieving got good enough. It, well, that was already good. And, and I got a force fetch on him so that if I did throw and I'd throw a bumper, I'd throw a bumper and then walk the other way, kind of just so that there was just sort of a relaxed thing and he'd bring it right to me and sit down and hold it. So then um, I switched over like I always do to dead birds and got him to retrieve dead birds. He thought that was awesome. He's very good at that. I mean, he really likes it. Yeah, I think he could, like, he could break all of his toes and he'd still run out there and go after it. But he was always worried and also very clingy. So a weird combination of lion and lamb in one animal. Got him to retrieve uh, the frozen birds and the dead birds and reliably and he would always do that just that really a nice retriever and so i thought then it's time all right we're going to start doing the live birds the upland birds so this has been i don't know six seven eight weeks something maybe six weeks of no shot birds at all but slowly developing an understanding in this dog's mind of one of anything that does go in your mouth comes all the way back and gets handed to me we don't do anything with it um so he's been good at that for we that's and it's not associated with i'm going to teach him to hunt for birds and to bring them back and not to set them down and i'm not going to teach all that stuff at the same time i'm going and especially because this is a warrior kind of a dog so if i gave him three things to worry about instead of one i'm going to make one third the pro progress of just doing it with one so we just did this incremental thing, and I finally got where we could walk through a field. He's not out hunting. He's not out hunting, but at least he's out there relaxed, and that was important. And then any time that a bird was shot, you, you know, there'd be a shot and a bird down, he would get it and bring it straight back to me, no matter where it fell. And I mean, like, no matter where it fell. 
He was so adamant about that. So then started to put out some upland birds. Now, this was a really hard part, and I think this is a where people don't know whenever you have something like this exactly how to interpret or what to do. But I'd put a couple birds out um, pretty lightly, not so they'd fly away if he got anywhere close, but where, you know, he couldn't just go in there and grab them. This, this is, turned out to be a, a very strong pointer. Um, and his breeder said, yeah, he'll point. He's, but, so we go out and put some birds down in some cover and stuff. And so we're just walking through the field, right? <laughs> he still doesn't really know we're hunting. And we get downwind of a bird. Now he knows the bird scent real well because he's been retrieving the dead ones now for weeks. And we get downwind of that. And actually the very first time he just locked up. Just poof. I mean, I don't know if he knew what he was doing. I don't know if he'd locked up before when he was following everybody in the upland field at, at where he lived. But he just locked up on that. So he just waited to see. And I don't remember whether the gunner went in or whether uh, he did. I can't remember. But the bird came up, got shot, brought it right back to me. It's like, okay, this is good. So then, but it's not like a switch flipped. And now all of a sudden he's an adamant hunter. So then he, oh, good boy, and I stuck it in my vest, and we said, and he's healing along again with me. <laughs> he's healing again. I didn't get upset. I didn't get frustrated. I just, we just kind of walked on and on where we eventually would be dead. But he was more relaxed, right, like we'd been all those times practicing in the field with no birds and guns. And we got downwind of the, the second one, and the same thing. So, and I do upland once a week. I don't do it day after day after day because that guy would have got so out of balance you couldn't even reel him in. They'd load him in a crate, I don't think. I do upland once a week. So I went out, did all the regular retrieving and all the basic work and all that stuff. I went out the next week, same thing, put, put some birds out, went through there. And he would go out. This time he would go out 20, 30 feet, start looking, and then go, oh, wait, catch himself and come back to me. And I didn't sit there and go, no, go hunt them up. No, go get out there. I didn't do that. I just did nothing. I fed absolutely no energy, no attention into his return to me. Had I paid attention to that negatively or positively, he would have liked it because then we were connecting. How it didn't matter negative or positive. We were connecting. So I wouldn't connect. Whenever he'd come back to me, I would just move right along. And so pretty soon he'd go out again a little bit better. And so let's just fast forward about four or five weeks of that <laughs> and his extreme love of birds and this stuff. Uh, now he is a, he is a uh, machine. I mean, you just tap that guy on the head and he is out there and, and finding birds. Now, if I yelled at him or said something, he'd be, oh, I'm so sorry. And he'd probably come run back over and sit by me or something because he's just that way. But he doesn't really... Uh, do anything real wrong he's become an adamant bird finder and and he's a good pointer and he's a great retriever I don't care if it goes 300 yards or into the molten lava he's going to get the bird and bring it back and so he's getting ready to go home now because he uh, loves to hunt he does not walk beside you or behind you and then with being and he finds birds well and he points them hard and then he retrieves all of them uh, a lot, partly alive, you know, intestines hanging out, whatever the situation is, he just brings it back and hands it to you. And so it's going to be a very successful thing. 
but it was by uh, it happened that way because it was we I just built one thing on at a time so the the neediness in this dog and the I, I don't the un the lack of confidence about about what he was supposed to do and then the he really needed human approval really really needed that it, it was a, and a, a sensitive guy and yet strong as an ox so it was a real balancing situation between not not just making, not being just tough on him for not doing the right thing or not trying to force him to go be excited about getting out there. And that would never have worked. But to teach him what the little rules are, you know, like one, whatever you retrieve, you, you don't drop it. You bring it all the way to me, to me and hand it to me in good shape. That was very important. The fact that he learned that anytime I called him, he had to come. And he learned all of those things completely by themselves, not in association with a couple couple other things, because that would have just been overwhelming, and then he would have gotten very worried, and then all of that would have been a danger zone. And so he learned those simple things, and at the same time, separately from that, moving through a field in a relaxed fashion. That was nothing to which he could relate. And so it took a lot of walking and a lot of time. Fortunately, I you know, I do a lot of walking all the time and I enjoy that and I go out with them for 20 minutes at a time so that they learn to do that. And it took repetitively with, I'm sure people, if you'd have been flying a drone over going, look, she's just walking through a field with the dogs next to her. And that's how it started, but it slowly relaxed. But most importantly, I wasn't gauging everything by the distance that he got from me. I gauged it by how much he relaxed while he was out there. Because when the birds came into play, now I finally gave him a reason to get out there a little ways. Before, there never had been. They don't just do it. People always think they should be out front looking for stuff, quartering. No, <laughs> because there'd be no reason to do that until you give them one. And it's much better to give them that reason, those live birds, once you know that that dog also understands the rules of the road. Like, you know, you don't go out. 150 yards from me. Um, maybe later, if you're a good pointer, you can. But right now, you got to stay kind of gun range without me constantly reminding you. And, you know, you that's what you do. Whether we're bird hunting, hiking, or walking through the field, you just pretty much stay in gun range with me. This is in the teaching mode. Well, and certainly in the hiking mode, it should always be that. But you teach them those fundamentals and then just slowly put them together. And when he, when it did, I mean, it's a thing of beauty. That guy is out there mock too, and he doesn't miss the birds. And he has a, a lot of confidence in what he's doing. He's not afraid of anything. He's not needy. He doesn't have to run back and check in and see if he's okay. All because of just going through this in a step-by-step, -step, understandable Letting him know I was not upset. You know, a lot of times when you train dogs and you're getting angry with them, that they're like, oh, golly, I better pay more attention. They're angry. This guy, it would have been, oh, angry. I better just stay right next to her and never move away from her. And so just not feeding any energy into the negative things he was doing was the best response of that. 
That said, I'll just say, I don't believe, I know there's a whole training philosophy about positively reinforce things dogs do you like and don't reinforce things that you don't like. I don't agree with that in terms of dog training, just fundamental dog training. If I tell you to sit, you have to sit. I don't care how you feel about it. <laughs> so I'm not going to ignore you if you don't sit and give you a cookie if you do. I'm going to tell you to sit and then you have to sit. So I don't agree with that in regular dog training. But when the dogs have some emotional and psychological issues about stuff, um, then oftentimes not just not feeding any response, not responding to the negative things they're doing, finally just kills any interest in them doing it. I actually had that, and it's slightly off topic, but also not. There was somebody sent me, oh, long, 15 years ago, when I had my first wiener dog that was a field champion, as I brag, of course. And their, their uh, dachshund would just kind of stay with them or run out a little bit and come back and stay with them. And then she'd be trying to get it to go out and look for bunnies and all that. And so she sent the dog to me. And what I did is exactly what I'm saying right now. Uh, we'd go walking through the bunny field, just the dog and I, not multiple dogs. You don't put all wiener dogs together. It turns into a, a gang of, of vicious animals. But... We'd walk through the field, and he'd be out looking and whatever he's doing, and he'd come running back to me. And instead of doing what his owner would do and try and put all this energy toward, you know, to get him out there, well, he got a bunch of attention. I never said when I acted like I didn't even see him. I just kept right on going. He got no feedback. He got no payback from running back to me when he was supposed to be out uh, bunny hunting. And so finally, after day after day after day of that, right, he stopped. He quit running back. There was nothing in it for him. It was a waste of time and energy. So he stayed out there and, you know, became a better and better bunny hunter. And then he himself became a field champion too. So many times, I don't believe in passive, just ignore them and they'll figure it out and do the right thing kind of dog training. But in the hunting thing out here like this, when you have a problem where they keep returning to you or you become a big deal, don't feed that by responding to it and putting energy into it. Because for them, oftentimes, that's the goal. They're happy. At least you're paying attention to them. So that's how that particular problem got solved a little bit. And I feel pretty good about sending this guy home because I think when they go bird hunting out there, he may cling for a minute. I'll just tell him, don't say anything. Just let him cling, and then he'll get back out there. And then that problem is going to go away when, he, when you shoot your first bird for him. So that was kind of an unusual problem that I had um, that was solved by being very simple and very fundamental instead of shooting 87 birds for them in the next two weeks and have that fix it because then we'd have probably a monster that you couldn't get to stay in gun range to save your life. Okay, now after that little 23-minute discussion, I'm going to talk about almost the exact uh, opposite problem, only with the exact same approach. And I've had three cases, I think. Now, I don't have that many because mostly I get young dogs, and so they don't have a lot of too many problems. But I've gotten three come to mind, dogs that have all gone on to become um, finished, very finished pointing labs, who had a problem that the, the, the owner said they will, they, de they de-chased them or attempted to de-chase them. And for those who don't know, that meant in the upland field, when a bird comes up, 
whether uh, whether intentional doesn't matter flies by when a bird comes up in the air and frankly is running on the ground as well the dog knows that they cannot chase it unless it is shot and dropped and then they're not chasing it they're just retrieving it but they cannot chase a bird because there's no place unless you send them after a wounded bird that you want a dog to chase a bird extraordinarily unsafe Again, if you wing one and you want your dog to go after it, then send them. But just if one flies by, they can't take off after it because then you're going to lose your dog or it'll get somewhere you don't want it to be or it'll get shot by somebody shooting something, the bird, just a lot of things. So I, I always teach dogs uh, shortly after they, when they've gotten enough, they're bold on birds and they're confident out in the field, then I do chase them and teach them when a bird flies, you're done unless we shoot it and drop it. So I've had these people who told me I, I cannot de-chase my dog. I, don't, I have the collar turned up, electric collar, because that's how a well-collar-conditioned dog is then collar, calling them on here is how you de-chase. I have podcasts on that. It needs to be done correctly. But <clears throat> they said they'll just run through the collar. Turned on all the way, holding the buttons down, they'll just run through the collar after the bird. I cannot de-chase this dog. So I've gotten several of those. Oof. So, uh, how do I de-chase a dog that will not be de-chased? And actually, the approach on all of them is very similar to the approach I told you on this other dog, who not only never chased, he wouldn't even go look for him. Very similar approach. So the first thing I did, and and some of these dogs were much for were trained. I mean, they were already trained, so like all the tools had been made present. But what, what it was, was how the dog was thinking about it. So on the, the dog I just talked about, they weren't really thinking about anything. They were just, stay by you, because that's a good place to be. There wasn't, they didn't think about anything because they didn't know anything. And so no matter what we think, they're just walking along going, this is a good place to be. <laughs> and that's all they know. There's nothing else going on in their heads. So these dogs that are, so so uh, gamey you know they're just like i'm gonna get that bird i don't care where it goes and they're very birdy and very bold and overly confident and when the bird flies it's theirs that's what's in their head this is your bird and so (laughs) they're going to go after that bird and this won't be a long explanation so the way that i approach the ones that i've done is okay of course went back to basic obedience where, uh, you know, it's like when I say sit the first time, you've got to give me your best effort to sit. And I would be extra demanding on these dogs because they weren't learning this. They were uh, relearning this and maybe relearning it at a little bit more demanding level than they did the first time. And that's the first element that needed to be there. I need to get inside their heads, which are very compliant with a lot of things till it comes to birds. And it's like, don't bother me with what you want. That's what we're going after. So the way I do that is by going after the regular stuff that they think they've got fine, he'll sit in here at a really high level. So and there's, you know, there's so many ways to do that. But I'm not just going, oh, good, look at obedience is good. Okay, let's move on. I found every weakness, every slow response, every uh, lack of interest, and went right after that with these dogs first. Boring, boring basic obedience stuff to get in their heads so that they're sitting there going, geez, I need to pay attention to her. 
man, I, I thought I kind of had this, but geez, I got to really work to pay attention to her. You know, like if you ever weren't doing real well in class and school and then you got a different teacher that was just with you every second, making sure that you were paying attention and doing it. And they're kind of irritating, but you got to pass the class. So pretty soon you start to do it their way. It's like that. So I used the basic obedience. Then we went, now these dogs are already upland dogs. They're already bold. They know the game. So then I did the same thing here. I didn't have a force fetch bringing the bird back problem, so I didn't have to go review that stuff. They're retrieving and bird handling was good. Then we started doing these walks out in the field, just me and the dog. And, you know, which they liked. They knew that. They're out walking in the field, and as soon as they would get, uh, you know, some interesting smell that they wanted to go, you know, or they might be a bunny over here, I'd call them to me with a little bit of pressure. And the reason that it, make sure you understand that, the reason I would, and that's with a whistle or a verbal here, depending on where they were, with some uh, pressure to respond, I would put the pressure on as soon as they heard my, my command. Because now, and then call them right to me, make them heal and sit. Right? Then wait a little bit. Good dog, take off again. What I was doing now is just without association with birds or anything else, was requiring a real sense of urgency with the hear command or the whistle. Installing a real sense of urgency. It wasn't a request. It wasn't a suggestion. It was an order. And so there had to be some pressure on it there. Not unfair, not extreme, but depending on the dog, whatever it took to create a real sense of urgency. And on a walk in the field, I might do it once or I might do it five times, kind of depending on the dog and their behavior. Until pretty soon they'd get where I picked up my whistle lanyard and they'd just stop and look, are you going to call? But what I did was change some of the neural paths in their head right there so that when she calls, you know, you got to go. But without association with anything else. And I didn't just do that uh, three or four times. I probably did it two or three dozen times until it just became through consistency <laughs> and repetition that here whistle just was uh, was down cast from the mount and they would come running and I would do it not at the lowest possible level I could do it but at whatever level, it made an immediate change in their perspective on this, created that sense of urgency, and got them where they would come back to me uh, really, really with a sense of urgency. When that became so consistent that I never had to apply any pressure, they would never give me an opportunity, then we go back out into the upland field with some birds. And the birds are, are put down very lightly so that when the dog gets anywhere near, they're going to come popping up. And I kept the dog mm, a little closer than I would if we were just upland hunting. Not, not, I don't mean like 10 feet away from me, but 30, 40 feet away at most from me when we encountered this bird downwind. I don't lead them to it. We just happen to go by where they can smell it. And when they do, and I, I can, you know, you can kind of control if you're used to moving dogs through the field, you can kind of control if they're kind of close to the bird so you know it's going to pop up. Or if they just get move into point or something, the bird pops up. And the very microsecond 
that that bird flew up, I don't care what the dog did, I called them to me with pressure. I don't care whether they, it doesn't matter whether they were chasing it, thinking about chasing it, standing there watching it. I called them to me with pressure. I didn't say no bird. There's no correction here. I'm just the birds flying and I call them to me with pressure. So this would be the 37th time that that has happened. There just happened to be a bird flying away at the same time. I don't have a gun with me. I didn't, there's, I didn't have the vest on like we're going hunting. And guess what happened with all three of them? Well, I'll tell you, there's one big male. Oh, he, he tried a little bit, but I was so fast and so on him that he probably got about six feet it, going in the direction of the bird when he finally yielded because I was ready, I was close, and it was f a familiar thing in his mind. And so it probably uh, within two of these, he, he was de-chased and he didn't do it again. But it was all a nice, um, uh, systematic way of getting into their thinking so that they are prepared to respond the way that you need them to. So it was just like getting the other dog to be excited about hunting. I just got used the fundamentals to get this dog to realize if she calls me, I come. That's all there is. I don't decide it's worth suffering pain in my neck to go get the bird just it's not they no longer have that thought anymore they just know they have to come back so those are two kind of opposite problems solved very similarly by just getting into the way the dog is thinking about things taking time okay this didn't happen in a few days or a week or two it was weeks and it was a lot of walking and it was a lot of of redirecting how the dog was thinking about things so you know I'm not a bam them over the head with a anvil type trainer I'm much I'm very much more like to get into their heads and just basically just change what they're thinking to something else so I don't have to just crush them and I, I just don't think that's any way to teach anybody anything so that's this week's problems um, no desire to hunt and then too much desire to pursue the bird and solved in very similar ways. So that's the offering for now. It's, this happens to be the 4th of July. So anybody listening close to that, I hope it either you are having a great holiday or you did have a great holiday. Very warm summer. Uh, I hope everybody stays safe, stays healthy, and I will be back soon.